You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. Our Mike Chappell on the injured reserve list this week coming off the bye week. He needs a little bit more time to get back to 100%. So uh, we're giving him this uh, this such an uneventful week either here this Thanksgiving week uh, inside Colts headquarters, uh, Matt. Uh, not, not, nothing for us to, to break down at all. No, as a matter of fact, this week I, I was like, well, we're not, just not going to have much to talk about except, you know, maybe a little review of the pa- Patriots game, look ahead at the, the Bucks game. So I just went ahead and compiled, like, the Colts' individual offensive statistics because I'm like, well, that'll give us at least something to sort of talk about. Yeah, I go. And, and I'm like, but then I threw those out and, uh, this yeah, morning. And then all of a sudden, as you write here in our down Shaq and awe a uh, massive roster move for the Colts as they come off a bye week after beating the Patriots in Germany they'll host Tampa Bay this weekend at one o'clock broadcast on CBS four Sunday afternoon if you're in central Indiana but we have to discuss first the fact that Shaquille Leonard is no longer an Indianapolis Colt and if you've listened to our podcasts this year the end result is not a surprising one we've detailed that although Shaq has been somewhat productive in his role in terms of making some tackles here and there. He has not been productive in terms of making $19 million a year. You don't pay someone $19 million a year to get 8 to 10 tackles a game. And Shaq's just point was always that he wanted more time. He wanted more snaps. And for a while, at least, you could get behind that. And then, Matt, what happened in Germany really thrust him into an incredibly negative light with how he played in that game, to be perfectly honest and to be perfectly frank. We'll we'll get into his his legacy in Indianapolis shortly and dive into that, but I think it's most important to start with the present and and why this happened. So um, it it is, like I said, if you've listened to us over the past couple weeks, the the end result um, with Shaquille Leonard leaving the Indianapolis Colts uh, for for me, and I'm sure for you as well, cannot be an overly surprising one. No, I, I, and it's 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 tough. I mean, he he's the maniac. You know, fans fans love the guy in, in everything. But you know, we we've talked about it on the podcast. We just don't remember any times where he made an impactful tackle or made an impactful play. When when I was compiling the the team statistics uh, in prep for the show before you know what happened yesterday. One thing that struck me is when you look at Shaq's stats, and I know stats don't tell you everything about everything, but when you look at Shaq's stats, it's zero sacks, zero forced fumbles, zero fumbles recovery, uh, zero interceptions, and just two tackles for loss. And also his his uh, total tackle split with his solo tackle split is almost 50-50, which is well off of what he has been for his career. It's closer to a a three to one um, uh, season by season when you look at the rest of his stats for his career. Yeah, he he was known uh, throughout that part of his career by by having those stats, by being dominant, by by taking the ball away, by getting sacks. And he said himself that his role was different in this defense, which is completely correct. Um, But uh, there there was a, a... what's it called, a table that I found online, and it was tweeted out by our old friend Zach Kiefer of The Athletic, and I'm glad I was just able to find it. But this was uh, this was after the 2021 season. So after what was arguably Shaquille Leonard's best season with the Indianapolis Colts, and it's the one that he was hurt the so entire time. he basically time. played on one leg yes, that year. Yes, like he, he fought through pain every week. I don't know what he had to go through pregame every week to be ready to play. 
but it was an undertaking. Uh, but after that season, so his first four years in the NFL, after coming in in 2018, he had 530 total tackles. He had 16, 16 forced fumbles. And if you look at other linebackers that are known for taking the ball away, like Fred Warner during that time, six. Six forced fumbles. Shaq had 16. He had seven fumble recoveries. Warner, again, uh, had five. Levante David had six. So Shaq, more fumble recoveries there, too. Probably because he's fallen down on those all those that he just punched out. 11 interceptions. 11 interceptions for Shaquille Leonard during that time. You look at other uh, linebackers that are known for their coverage skills. Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edwards had four during that same uh, amount of time and had 15 sacks. A uh, guy like Bobby Wagner had 12 sacks during that time. 30 tackles for loss for Shaquille Leonard. Uh, Roquan Smith and Levante Davis were a little bit more than that with 43 and 40 with their attacking schemes. But, 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 but what he did in terms of the splash plays was, was remarkable. He was doing them on a pace that is not... Uh, it's not an exaggeration to say we had never seen it before. No, a historic pace. Over the f- his first four years in the NFL. It is not an exaggeration to say that he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory after his first four years uh, in the NFL. And if he'd even been able to come back, and I, I'm not putting him uh, aside right now because I've learned, A, you don't, uh, don't, you, you, don't yeah, not don't, believe don't do in that, Shaq right? Leonard. But, um, but, but right now, he's, he's just in a point where he obviously has to uh, re- retool himself, remake himself, and, and go forward from that. But um, if you're a Colts fan out there listening to us, which you probably are, obviously, because it's Colts Blue Zone Podcast, but it, I hope and you should remember those first years, not what's happened the last two years. And it's, it's an unceremonious ending for easily one of the best defenders in franchise history. And I know that we've given Shaq a hard time on this podcast for several reasons. For He can be difficult to deal with sometimes. It's Sometimes it was like, why are you so incessant? Why are you so focused on all the negative things people say about you that makes no sense? Why are you snapping back at us, the media, who aren't saying these things? You're lumping us in with other people who are just on Twitter and, and ragging you online. So, so dealing with him from that perspective was difficult at times. And I think people also got a little bit tired with, uh, with the shtick the last couple years when he wasn't producing on the field. But, but if you look back on Shaq Leonard's career, you have to remember, if you're a Colts fan, those first four years and what he gave to this organization. And in 2021, what he gave to the organization that, that you all love so much, in, in spite of being on one ankle and fighting through it, the injury week after week to have arguably his best season uh, in the league there in 2021. It was not, it, again, it ended poorly that year for him and for the team. So his, his reward was that loss at the end of the season. Exactly. And it was, it's, it, it kind of, it almost mirrors his reality in the fact that uh, the, the ending here in Indianapolis is, is so bitter um, to, to what was up until that point, uh, easily one of the best uh, of all time. But uh, Sha- Shaquille Leonard, Darius Leonard, however you choose to remember him, uh, is, should be one of the best Colts of all time. He is, he is easily deserving when you look at other people in the ring of honor uh, of a space up there. I think it would be easier to put him up there than it would be Andrew Luck up there because of the way that Luck's career ended here versus how Shaq's career ended here. There's some different, uh, there's a different, different variables there, yeah. some different dynamics, but, 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 but all that to say, uh, I, I think Shaqu- Shaquille Leonard needs to be re- remembered as, as one of the best defenders in this franchise's history. 
I, I mean, for four seasons, he was one of the top defenders, not, not just on the team, but in the entire NFL. And this was a guy who, time and time again, when it looked like the other team was going to do something, made something happen, whether it was punching out a ball, making an interception, especially his first couple of years getting down, getting, getting sacks and those types of things. He was just an, an amazing player to, to watch. And so, yeah, I, I had the Ring of Honor thought as well when I was putting together the podcast. Is Shaq worthy of Ring of Honor? And I think 100%, if his pride will allow him to come back, and accept the honor, and, and that's a that's a legitimate question. I, I think that there's some there's got to be some bitterness in, in how this has ended, um, and, and how he feels the organization has treated him because because that's what he said the past couple weeks in the locker room is that he's been disappointed with his role. He doesn't understand his role. And he doesn't understand why. Uh, they've essentially given up on him, and he's going to get the chance to prove himself because someone's going to take him. I don't know if he'll play this year. Right now, he's cut, and he's guaranteed six million dollars uh, for the rest of this year, six or seven million in that range, and he's guaranteed seven or eight million dollars next year, something in that range uh, from the Colts. And then after that, the rest of his contract um, is is null for which was for like two or three more years here. And I think it was two more years uh, after yeah, this year. At signed least. A, what a five year extension in 2021. Right. I think so. So anyway, it was two or three more years. Uh, I, I'm not, I can't do math that fast, <laughs> but <laughs> I think he was signed through yeah, 2026. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. So, so anyway, um, where was I going with that? I don't remember where I was going with that. You were talking about money, basically. Yeah, yeah I was talking and, about the money to it. And, and I, there's, there's no way, uh, by the time people, people listen to this, I think he'll have cleared waivers. I think that's how the timeline goes, assuming no one claims him. And there, there's no chance anybody claims no, him no, on waivers. because if you, if you claim him off waivers, then you pick up the rest of that large contract that the Colts paid him. And part of the reason that Shaq's, I mean, honestly, part of the reason Shaq's not here anymore is because of that extension, yes. because he's making about $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not all guaranteed and all that. It's an NFL contract. But when you when you look at that, the team just felt like what they were getting back from that position, they could not afford to do that anymore. So there's there's teams that are going to do that same calculus. They're going to wait till he qu- clears uh, waivers and then, then, you know, maybe sign to a free agent deal. Uh, there, there are teams that are going to be interested, absolutely, to see uh, just to bring him in and see what he can do for the rest of this year, I think, because Shaq wants to play. I, th- I mm-hmm. think he does. It sure seems like he wants to play. Uh, that's what he said week after week here. Now he's been on a bye, so he should be rested. Go in somewhere energetic. Like I, I could see him going to Chicago, reuniting with that Matt Eberflus, who gave him uh, the best years of his career as defensive coordinator. I could see him going to Philadelphia with Nick Sirianni, who knows exactly what he can do. I could see him going to Carolina and going with Frank Reich, who knows what he could do. Or he can just go somewhere else, who, who has proved that, that, they, um, that they know what, what he can bring to, to a team. And, and he'll go in there with, just, with a different with different expectations, as he had here, too. I, I, that, I think that'll be good for him. It'll be good to have a fresh start where he didn't have the, um, the expectations of having a four-consecutive All-Pro, um, and he doesn't have the contract looming over right. him of, hey, you, you make $19 million, you should be doing this and this and this every week, and you're not doing this and this and this. So um, so I, ultimately, it's a fresh start for him that, he, that should benefit him. That certainly benefits uh, the would have benefited the Colts now or after the season, and if the Colts were just going to demote him to basically being inactive or a, a scout team player, even because there there was no sign that they were going to give him any more time, and, and the last game that he played was his worst game of the season. So so it's it's best 
it, it, when looking at it in that perspective, was it surprising to me that this happened right now, Matt? Yes, it was. But when you look at it in that perspective, it's understandable how it happened here in the middle of the season. Yeah, the, the timing. But then you also look at the last couple of games that the, that the Colts played. And just reading between the lines there against Carolina, they didn't have Zaire Franklin that game. So you're like, well, that probably means they're going to play Shaq more. Well, no, they put Sagoon Alubi out there. Uh, in, instead, and he played the majority of snaps. And, you know, Shaq's on the sidelines during third down. And then against New England, Shaq did play a lot. He had nine tackles in that game, but I think only a couple of them were solo. And he had, you know, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be too critical here, but he's talking about, you know, I don't have the opportunity to make splash plays because I'm not out on the field enough. Well, he had two big opportunities to make splash plays, and he whiffed on them. Uh, he had Ezekiel Elliott dead for right, dead to rights on a, on a pass behind the line of scrimmage. Couldn't make the tackle. He had a chance to recover a fumble early in that game as well. Couldn't wrestle the fumble away. So, again, I, I understand limited opportunities, maybe not being able to play at the level that he's usually playing at, but there were some of your chances to make those things that you've said you can do, and then when given those chances, not able to come through on it. He was just never able to figure out the, the best role for himself here in Gus Bradley's system right. as well. It's, it's a completely different system than what Matt Eberflus uh, ran here. For, for, for those of you out there who, who are maybe not quite familiar with all the intricacies, I'll try to sh- shed some light on a little bit of them without getting too lost in the weeds. But, um, but, but Shaq under Eberflus was more of a roamer. Like he had much more freedom to move sideline to sideline and to kind of clean up behind a defensive line that was absorbing some more, uh, some more offensive line blocks. Here, he's more asked under Gus Bradley to be someone that is taking on more blocks from the offensive lineman. He is not as free, which is not no. his game at all. Shaquille Leonard weighs about 215, 220 pounds. And if you're going up against a 270, 290 pound offensive guard, that's a recipe for disaster. It really is. And it's not his game. It does not suit him. Gus Bradley's system does not suit Shaquille Leonard. That is immistakable. So I thought that even after this season, even if Shaq excuse me, showed some promise near the end of this year that, that it might be beneficial for him and the team to part ways anyway because he could be better elsewhere and the team wouldn't be paying him $19 million even if he was going to be a decent linebacker. So it, it just happens early that he gets a head start, uh, I guess, on, on the next step in his career yeah, right now. I, I did think it would come at the end of the season right. once, once things had concluded. I didn't think it was going to come after the bye week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously a um, – like this is – this is stemming from injury for Shaq, and it, he had one surgery uh, on his back, and he came back, and things just weren't fixed, and then he get hit, got hit in the face uh, on the goal line, broke his nose, had a concussion, ended up on IR, um, had another surgery uh, the, the past off, so two back surgeries, trying to fix a nerve problem. The way he described it was the nerve, like the calf, wasn't firing. I believe those are the exact words I, that I he used. I believe I heard him say that, yes. Like, and, and for a guy that relies on explosion and sideline to sideline speed to, to be as good as he was, um, that, that it, it just it doomed him as long as he was trying to work his way back and he wasn't the, uh, the, the player that he was. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it, nerves are, are weird, man. Like, we, we, we've, we figured out how to fix bones. We figured out how to mend muscle tissue and connective tissue and ligaments, uh, for the most part, really, really well. 
but but once you once you mess with those nerves and and they're just not firing like they used to it it, it shows like i'd love to have uh, to talk to will carroll uh, our oh, friend yeah. injury expert just to like to, to get maybe there's some cutting edge top of the line stuff that that people are working toward right now you know but 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 it's just not there and it's it's got to be frustrating for Shaq to see other people come back from injury and, and him not to be able to come back from injury you and, know and, and, and it was a different injury in a di- different case oh, yeah. they they, oh, always, yeah. they always are but that was also the same thing when Manning had his surgery were those nerves going to be refire was he going to be able to get his throwing arm in in motion back and all that stuff and for Shaq it sort of reminded me of the same thing they they were working with nerves here waiting them to kind of refire get back and and reintegrated and and you know it's does seem like he was just a step slower out there than what we were used to seeing. Matt, what do you think about comparing Shaquille Leonard to Bob Sanders? Because I know Bob had, like, he was obviously, he got them the Super Bowl. So that is different. And I can't ignore that difference. But for a guy who had a short career with the team and was dynamic when he was on the field, I would say Shaq's accolades are more than Bob Sanders had. I mean, but but at the same time, great defensive player for this team, I think that should be a fan favorite for for the long run. That that was that was like a, a thought that came to my mind, but you were here for the Bob Sanders era, so I wanted to bounce it off you and see no, what you thought no, about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I think that's a very fair comparison because Sanders was only here healthy for a few seasons and, and he was defensive player of the year. He helped the Colts get that Super Bowl win, but it's just kind of like, you know, and then one day he was gone because and he just could never quite stay healthy. And um, but had such impact on the team, but not necessarily, you know, Bob Sanders was just the big hit guy, you know, not just the big hit guy, but mm. that's what he was known for, whereas Shaq was Mr. Takeaway. Yeah. And, and that's that's where the difference is, because, yeah, both guys could turn the game, but Shaq usually did it. And, and I, I tell you what, during that 2021 season, it seemed like almost every game when they were in a desperate situation, there was Shaq. You know, getting the interception, punching the ball out, getting the turnover, getting the stop. And uh, Sanders was a a lot like that, too. Mm -hmm. When uh, you also look at Shaquille Leonard's time in Indianapolis, I'd be remiss not to mention uh, his his off the field contributions to the uh, to the area as well. I mean, he he gets cut this week on Tuesday and still out there handing out turkeys. later on Tuesday. He's right out there doing his turkey giveaway. He doesn't shy away from it. His teammates come out, help him out. A lot of other volunteers were there. He speaks to everyone in the media there uh, uh, in what was obviously a rough time for him. And that's just that's one of the many things that that he's done uh, here uh, in in the area. He's been an outspoken supporter for Jim Irsay's kicking the stigma campaign as well, uh, which has taken off over the past couple of years, uh, shedding light on on mental illness or mental struggles that that. Uh, that folks go through, and Shaq has been open about his own. Um, so uh, that that you have to remember that as well. And, and for 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 some people uh, out there who've who've taken his words to heart in, in those areas, those struggles, like everything we've talked about so far, is is just is nothing compared to the no. impact that he's had on 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 their life personally, because he has taken that uh, that forefront role in, in being a face of a. A, a movement that maybe 10, 15 years ago would have been would have been laughed at or would have been certainly pushed to the side as, as something that's not important. But 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 Shaq was not afraid to, to be out there, to put his face out there, to put his name out there as someone who struggles uh, with uh, struggled with mental uh not illness, but mental, uh, mental issues, health. mental depression, yeah. mental health is the word I was looking for. Thank you. So um, so to, to anyone out there who, who's been uh, 
impacted by, by that aspect as well. If you happen to be listening to this podcast, I'm sure if you send him a tweet, he'll, he'll read it. First of all, he reads them, man. He finds everything, whether you say so. It's mostly people who say something bad. But right now, I know that um, he, he also mentioned on Tuesday the, the fact that so many people had reached out to him had meant, meant a whole lot. So if, if he has impacted you in that way, I'd encourage you to do so on Twitter and just uh, just reach out to him as he's about to start this new new part of his career. Well, and that that's a really good point because you don't – people love players that, that play well. That's that's what you do for your home, home, yes. home team. But you really, really, really start loving a guy when they have, can have a big impact on you outside of the game. And, and in the community, Darius slash Shaq was just so great for Indianapolis. Well, since we wrap up our discussion on Shaquille Leonard with, with that, I think it is fitting that we kind of pivot into uh, more uh, mental health uh, issues uh, Jim Irsay starting this. Uh, Jim Irsay is uh, also in the news this week um, with uh, HBO's Real Sports. Andrea Kramer coming to Indianapolis doing a, a lengthy interview with Jim Irsay. Um, and, and, and in that interview, um, a, a, uh, there was quite a bit discussed, but what is certainly gaining and keeping, and understandably so, the most uh, traction here is uh, Jim Irsay's own story about, um, about his arrest which was 10 years ago now, I think in 2013, 2014, uh, when he was uh, pulled over, he was arrested for driving erratically. And uh, this, is what, this is what was said. I'm going to read it verbatim just so I don't, uh, don't mess it all up. Ursay says, quote, the arrest was wrong. I had just had hip surgery and been in the car for 45 minutes. He got a DUI, I believe, is what yes. it was. Yeah. And, um, and so, so I, I forgot to add that at the beginning. So anyway, the arrest was, all, was wrong. I had just had hip surgery and been in the car for 45 minutes. And what? They asked me to walk the line? Are you kidding me? I can barely walk at all. And Kramer asked him to kind of clarify and saying that he couldn't walk because of the hip surgery and not taking painkillers. Um, and Ursay says, yes, I mean, I'm not saying that. That's a fact. So Kramer asked him why she pleaded guilty. And Ursay said, just to get it over with, look it, I am prejudiced against because I'm a rich white billionaire. If I'm just the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Of course that. Then Andrea Kramer says, do you know what it's going to sound like if people hear you say they're prejudiced against a white billionaire? Ursay says, I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth. I could give a damn what people think, how anything sounds, sounds like. The truth is the truth, and I know the truth. So, Jim Ursay is unable to let this arrest of 10 years ago go. Something that, honestly, a lot of people had kind of not necessarily forgotten about but had forgiven for and forgiven for so. it was it was very much forgiven and forgotten i think in in the very large part of the Colts fan and Indianapolis community but but for Jim to come back and fight it a He's a man of his principles, and he doesn't back down very often. As we've said, and Chap, I, I would love to have his perspective on this. Unfortunately, can't have it because he's not here. We'll touch on it, I think, again oh, next I, week. I think it'll be back. To, to get to get Chap's uh, to get Chap's take on this, but 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 we'll add what we can here. Um, to, to say that you are prejudiced against for being a rich white millionaire is just a strange thing to say. And I know Ursa is a strange man, and I was having a discussion with somebody this morning. 
Um, and we were just going back and forth on this. Like, did he really mean prejudiced? Is that the word that he actually meant? Did he mean he was just targeted? Because I think there's a difference between I, yeah, those words, yeah. you know? But then we eventually came to the conclusion that it's impossible to get inside of Jim Irsay's head, and it was absolutely foolhardy to try to do so, to be perfectly honest. So you have to take him at his word about what he said. And the word is that he used was he was prejudiced against. And he's kind of doubled down on it by going back and, and saying yes to Andrea Kramer. That, that that was the case, and then tripled down on it by tweeting again on Wednesday saying that uh, if I was uh, if I had come back from pancreatic cancer, I'd be a hero. But but because I'm struggling with with mental health, then uh, then Bryant Gumbel uh, goes all in on me or whatever exactly it was. He so said mean. On Twitter. He's so mean to me on Twitter, which, by the way, Bryant Gumbel is not the nicest man in the world, it seems like just from watching his his stuff. I'm going to throw that out there and let it let it marinate. But nevertheless, uh, he, he also has a lot of people who are who were coming on his show and are trying to put their own story forward like Jim Irsay was in this case and the, the the facts seem to indicate something else so I understand how Brian Gumpel can come across as combative as someone who is not being very nice because he's trying to to present the side of the facts that he sees while the in this case, subject of the discussion, Jim Irsay is trying to present the facts as he sees. So all, all that to say, what, what another uh, great, uh, great load to drop on this week to have Jim Irsay bring, digging up the, uh, the shells of an, an incident long since forgotten here in Indianapolis and really doubling and tripling down on being a, a prejudiced against rich white billionaire. Huh, Matt? Yeah, in, in, the, multiverse, in the multiverse dimension <laughs> somewhere, Dave, um, none of this happened. And uh, we wrapped up the show after half an hour because we're trying to struggle through the Colts offensive statistics right. for the whole season right so yeah no I, you know that that's ursay is uh my word uh just completely unfiltered you just don't know what the guy is is gonna say and the thing about it is is he has good intentions in this interview because he is trying to talk about his mental health struggles and how addictions can be a real prison for a person how he struggled to get out of this prison but you know, the highlight quote in this is about the billionaire who's been prejudiced against by the police. And when you have a guy with such a good social conscience on top of that, it just it it melts your brain a little bit. The, the great irony of, of this situation is exactly what you just alluded to, that he's talking about breaking free of the prison of mental health abuses, but he can't break free of the prison of his own misconstrued notion of of this arrest from 10 years ago because he he talks about the facts the facts the facts the facts the facts were that he was driving erratically and he needed to be pulled over and once he was they were they observed him in the condition he was in the officers took action in the way that you you think they should by the book to make him try to make him walk the line and say he said he can't walk the line like this is something that that also he could have fought at the time. And also, like, th this is kind of what helped him see some of these errors in his ways. Right. And it, it, it set him on the right path. So to have still such a, like, such a, a, a bitter view of it and to keep focusing on the bitter side of it, like, it, it, it really is, seems, does seem like it has still has him imprisoned in somewhat in, in, in this area. Now, I'm not saying Jim Mercy hasn't taken steps. He's taken many steps in the proper direction since then. Like, and and been been a great champion for mental health, especially over the past couple of years. But but there is there is part of him just from hearing yeah. him sound like that still sounds like it is imprisoned by that moment. K kind of stuck in a moment that you can't get out of a right. little bit there. Yeah. You know? So and yeah, it's <laughs> I, I remember that story, obviously, uh, 
2014 and trying to get the video of that and and seeing those officers kind of holding them up because you know he can't go anywhere and they found quite a few pills in the car he had a lot quite a of, bit cash of cash in there and uh it was just a tough situation and you, you would hope you do feel like he's rebounded stronger from it, but uh, 100%. now we have some regression here right. uh, on the national stage, unfortunately. I, yeah, and I think I think this will blow over eventually, and it's not going to be something that, that, that lingers a super long time, especially as Ursay continues the uh, the uh, Kicking the Stigma campaign. Like, I, I, it, it, just, it just makes it this week is just... Uh, it, it just Why? adds another <laughs> another stupid thing to this week to to have to discuss this and and really a, a stupid comment to be perfectly frank to to say that that you are prejudiced against because you're a rich white billionaire it's 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 ridiculous the the notion that 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 is that that is the case could you have been targeted in that sense yes maybe you were targeted but and and like i said i think there's a difference between the, the those two things but actively prejudiced against by the Carmel police department who by the way came out and said that they were disappointed by uh, by what jim Ursay had to say which understandably so yeah, i would be would. as well if i was them but 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 all that to to Hopefully we, hopefully Jim lets this go, and next week we're not talking about it anymore. We have always wondered why, you know, because he said there were those mitigating circumstances. He'd had his hip surgery and and all that stuff. Why are you the prejudiced against billionaire with a, a considerable amount of money? Why are you driving yourself in that yep. situation? There were a lot of a, a lot, lot of, of questions, a lot of questions that, that he should not have been driving. Like he like he was driving in a point of being erratic, like I said. Mm-hmm. So like they needed to pull him over. It, it, this was like there's there, he he has really in my in my view of the, of the facts and my understanding of them. I under like I, I get why he's fighting, but I just don't think he has a legal leg to stand on. I, I'm not a legal expert, so I guess take that with a grain of salt. But and, and, but this was this was done like ten years yeah, ago. That's why like yeah, we're digging this been, back up again. Almost like, a decade. Oh, why are we doing this? Gosh, why are we doing this? And, because and he's not the first person to go ahead and plead guilty to something to just get it out it of go. the way. Yes, I understand that, and so that's like that's not that's not against him no, and, and no, his not point at all. at all. That's he could that could certainly be the case, especially for a guy with the means that he has to be like, get this done. We're we're done with this. Yeah, we get on. this out of the way. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Oh, this, except yes. we'll bring it up right. again exactly. nine years later. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 table this discussion for nine years from now, Matt, on the one uh, thousandth edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Whenever we get to that, but uh, we'll 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 go ahead back to the Colts and and his team. Uh, the Horseshoes uh, eked out a win over the Patriots in one of the ugliest offensive games that that you will see, uh, save maybe that Colts Denver game in uh, Thursday Night Football, which was higher scoring. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, all these field goals and here more and exciting. There. Exactly. Uh, probably, somehow, eventually. even though it was a miserable football game to watch, at least it went to overtime. There right. was a, you know an interception, all that. It stuff. was exciting at the end, at least. Yeah, uh, at if, the end, not exciting during. But uh, this was an ugly game as a Jonathan Taylor touchdown run. And a uh, horrific uh, Mac Jones interception uh, were the big differences, and eventually the Bailey Zappi interception at the end of the game as well. But hey, both Colts safeties got an interception. I love safety play, so go Rodney Thomas, go Julian Blackman. Love to see that. But that's the difference in, in the ten to six win uh, in, in Frankfurt. Um, Matt, Matt, it, it brings up some um, some trends, I think, or breaking some trends defensively. Colts played much better, but at the same time. 
Patriots are bad. Yeah. So they, they, they've played two very bad offenses in, in right. back-to-back weeks. But they've played also what was in the Panthers, not a great defense and didn't do much offensively. Kenny Moore scored the points right. for them in that game. And then going up against the Patriots, like 10 points is not good. And I, I could forgive the offense for struggling against the Patriots because A, you fly overseas. That's something different. You're going up against Bill Belichick, who is always coached against always you difficult. Tough. And it, like it has a decent run defense there in, in New England. So... I, 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 so I understand the struggles, but 10 points is still very few. You're, you're fortunate to come out with a win because the defense played really well because the opposing quarterback was, was even worse than, than, your, than your quarterback was. I, I mean, and they, they ran well. Um, the Patriots ran well on the Colts, which they is something that very we, well. we have seen uh, since Grover Stewart's been out. Yep. Just not not something that you like to see. You know, they, they, we, we got another bad interception from, from Gardner. And uh, fortunately for the Colts, the Patriots missed the field goal. It was not a long field goal, but because that offense was so miserable, they couldn't get any closer than like a 35-yard field goal or whatever, which they then missed. They hit that field goal. Completely different complexion to the end of that game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So you need some, I guess I'm saying they didn't play well, they got some breaks, and they managed to capitalize on it. Yep. That's about the best you can say. So you take the win, and you try to to fix it, uh, fix the problems over the bye week. But, But if you look at things you have to fix, like you have to fix the run defense, and Grover's going to be back soon, but he still has one or two more weeks where, where he is not back. Uh, so we just had a power surge or something here in the building. Hopefully we're still recording. That'd be ideal if we are. Yeah, good. We're, we're, okay, we're, good. We're Fantastic. All of a sudden, we're in one of those outlets that is yeah, protected. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, we had the lights dimmed down for a second, but but now we're back up. Fear not. Fox 59, CBS 4 will be on the air today. Um, the Colts improved to 5-5 five and five after the win. Uh, they're in third place still in the AFC South, right behind the Texans, and then the Jaguars one game ahead of them. So it's uh, it's like... It's seven and three, six and four, five and five right now. So very, very easy, uh, easy to see who's the top dog in, in the AFC South. And the Jaguars also have you have to remember two wins over the Colts yeah, this it's year. It's essentially a three game lead for the it Jags. Is. So, so th- I think that's going to be incredibly difficult to to overcome. And even if you can keep pace with, um, with the Texans and maybe catch up to them and beat them again. Because you looked really good playing them the first time this year, but boy, the Texans have it's looked a different, 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 different team, different, right? for, different sure, week, in, for sure, in every way. But um, like playoffs are not impossible because there's a huge, there's a huge jumble in in the middle of the AFC right now. There's a lot of teams that are five and five and six and four and in that range. Um, and, and to to the Colts' fortune, they're going to play some of them. Mm-hmm. Like they they play the Raiders coming up down the stretch they play the Bengals coming the Steelers. up Steelers they play the Steelers so so you have your opportunities against these teams that you are trying to pass to to exert your dominance over them and, and this week is a big one too going up against the Buccaneers the Buccaneers are four and six in the NFC I mean it's the NFC game but but still this is one that if you want if you want games at the end of the year to matter like this is one that, that you certainly want to get this is at home and you have not played well at home this year. You're one and four. The Colts are on your home field this year. They've won one of their last ten games at home at Lucas Oil Stadium. What the heck is going on there? And Tampa Bay is one of those losses. Uh, I think it was. Um, maybe not. Maybe Tampa Bay's loss is a little bit further back. Um, but but nevertheless, yeah, I think that loss was a little bit further back. I'm sorry, uh, spoke out of out of turn there. But uh, their last meeting was 2021. That was a 38-31 loss. The Colts led 24-14 at halftime. Uh, before Tom Brady of the Bucks uh, came back and outscored them 24 to seven down the stretch, um, there were five turnovers, uh, two Carson Wentz interceptions. 
one of them was Michael Pittman just not being able to outjump 5'10 Antoine Winfield. I remember that. And a fumble, also fumbles by Zach Paschal and Naheem Hines uh, in this game. Um, what I remember this game of that game, Matt, was the uh, 26 straight pass plays that uh, forced Quentin Nelson to go to Frank on the sideline, basically shake him back to his senses. Say, hey, run like, the ball, guys. We need a straight run because some of those, obviously, as Frank described it the next week, some of those calls were, were RPOs. And with, with the way that the Buccaneers were playing, like they were just playing, they were stacking the box. They had one of the best run defenses in the league. They knew the Colts had one of the best run offenses in the league. So they were trying to make the passing game beat them. And this was at the point, this was in the second half too, when the Colts were on top, 24 to 14. And you're still passing the ball 26 times in a row when Shaquille uh, Barrett is on the other side and is one of the NFL's top leading sack men that year. And that you still continue to throw and throw and throw the ball. So, like, even if Wentz is make, Carson Wentz is making the right decisions during that time to because he sees that the defensive line is cracking down on the run to throw the ball, Frank Reich needs to realize that you cannot keep throwing the ball in this situation. And that, like, I always point to that as one, one of Frank's, uh, like, one, one of the moments that you could see this, the struggles that Frank Reich had as a play caller and as a head coach. Because I think if you take a step back, if you're just a head coach and not a play caller in that scenario, you realize we need to run the ball a little bit here. We need to work the clock. We need to work this defense. We need, like, they have a good rush defense. But we need to run the ball against them, too, because we have a pretty good rush offense. So I need to call some of these plays. And he just got completely lost in the X's and O's and the trying to uh, out-scheme someone that an offensive coordinator does. Whereas I think if he had a play caller and he was the head coach, he would have gone up to them at like 10 or 12 and be like, dude, come on, let, 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 let's run the ball once or twice. But, but thankfully, a guy like Quentin Nelson could go up to him and be like, dude, we need to run the ball. And it eventually happened, but it eventually was not enough at the end of the day. Uh, Buccaneers, obviously, a much different team uh, oh, than yeah. that, Matt, Way because, different. I mean, geez, I mean, they have uh, Baker Mayfield's their quarterback instead of uh, this this other guy who wore number 12 uh, down there for uh, for a couple of years, won a Super Bowl for them. But um, anyway, uh, this is going to be I – th- I think it's a big game for the Colts, even though, like I said, it's not an AFC – one of those these AFC teams mm-hmm. that they're going to play later this year. It's a team in that similar vein. So if you want to be viewed as a legitimate wild-card contender, this is one you certainly want to have. You've got to find ways to get some separation. And, yeah, you if it's an a- head-to-head with an AFC team, yes, you can get some separation. But just just win. Win, win the game, even though it's an in- interconference game. Uh, they've got to play better at home. You know, like you said, one and four at home. Uh, they really need this one so bad. That's got to be frustrating, the being one and four uh, at home. Uh, out of all the things that have been frustrating this year, like that, you, you can't ignore that one. Obviously, losing your quarterback is number one on that list and not being able to have Anthony Richardson playing, which, by the way, he's back in the building right now. Uh, so he's, he's in the meetings and all that stuff. He's kind of going through some things. He's doing his rehab. Um, but, but he is, now that the Colts are back from Germany, uh, that was something that was discussed today with, uh, with some players on the team, with Shane Steichen, that uh, Anthony Richardson is back and has at least a role in the building now, uh, excuse me, for the last uh, seven weeks of this season. Uh, but anyway, uh, let, let's get to a bit of the tail of the tape here, some offensive and defensive rankings between the, uh, the Colts and the Buccaneers. Uh, scoring, the Colts are still top 10 in the league, scoring 24 points per game, even after these last two weeks. That, uh, we've... And, and they, they did break their streak. 
They did. They yeah, no longer against, against the Patriots. No longer the only team in the NFL to score twenty points every week after uh, scoring. Kenny Moore saved them one week. Yes, he yep. kept that streak going for one more time. But the def- you can't ask the defense nope. and special teams to help you every week uh, in, in that light. But um, I, I was talking to to Joel A. Erickson of the Indy Star about about this uh, for one of our segments that we shot for Sports Overtime on Fox Fifty Nine, and like asked him since the Colts are ninth. I mean, would you be more surprised if they ended up in the top ten or if they dropped out of the top ten? He said certainly if they stayed in the top ten throughout I, the rest. I, of the this year based I, on I the past couple of weeks based what we've seen and, and, and the reason is there, there's now there's now some kind of game plan for teams to follow while facing the Gardner Minshew led Colts and at the beginning of the season that wasn't quite the case you didn't have the 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 quite the um the the amount of tape the amount of uh views to see what they were trying to do and, and now other teams have and, and it's just stacked the box I mean it, it's 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 make it as difficult as possible for Jonathan Taylor which we saw last year um, during the um, the Matt Ryan era, the short-lived Matt Ryan era, and um, get up on those receivers. Don't don't give exactly. them the short throws. Nope, and, and that's and that's that makes it tougher. And and Gardner gets happy feet sometimes. He just does when he's when the pressure is not exactly there yet. But but here's here's my point on this. We 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 almost got into offensive and defensive rankings, and then we got down this rabbit trail once again. My feeling about Gardner and happy feet. This has been something that uh, I know has been discussed over the past couple weeks and people complaining about it. If the two options are him having some happy feet in the pocket and bailing a little early or committing four turnovers a game, I'm going to go with option A. And that's how that is his immediate reaction to knowing something is wrong in my game. I've committed four turnovers in back-to-back games. I need to do something different. It's not going to be perfect in one week, Matt. No, he can't fix no. all the problems that he has had. And there are problems, undeniably, to commit four turnovers in back-to-back games. Like, the, the way that you stop it, like, he's going to be a little jumpy back there and want to move quicker. Boom, boom, boom. Come on. Let's go. Here, uh, there, I feel a little something. I got to go this way. I, I got to jump up that way. So I understand completely why he is doing what he is doing and being a little bit more jumpy than we have seen in the past and just not standing in the pocket and trying to take that extra second because he's not comfortable taking that extra second. He really shouldn't be right now because of his those two back-to-back games where he had all those turnovers. The Colts have won games when he hasn't turned the ball over, even if he hasn't played all that well. So so I think that like the jumpiness is not the worst thing in the world. It's really not. Like I, I it, like I said, it does. It takes a lot longer than one week to correct these mistakes. If he had a whole off season to dissect what's wrong, then I would say. And if he started the next year and doing the same thing, I'd say that it's a problem. But he's doing this week by week, trying to improve and trying to iron out these problems just a little bit as a time at a time as he's preparing for another team, as he's trying to learn another defense and learn calls of where he wants his blocking to be in certain areas, what he sees in the defense. So I think there's a lot going into his mind right now. And to, to, to ask him to A, eliminate the turnovers and B, not be jumpy for a guy who is a backup quarterback in the NFL, I think this is a perfectly fine place for him to be. Oh, that that that's that is an interesting point. I did happen to notice uh, a couple of times in that Patriots game. I think what what struck me was what you said is definitely understandable. But there were a couple of times where he had some super clean pockets, and if he had just waited a, a half a second, half a beat on on these, then he probably is able to make this throw or make that throw. And instead, you know, now he's all turned around, he's running around, he's looping around, trying to find uh, somebody to go, and it makes it look like a panic yep and and so that's what uh, kind of struck me is, is it's good to have an accelerated clock to me 
it just looks like the clock has accelerated just a little bit too much, a yep. little too quickly. Yep. And there's there's a saying that you'd rather say uh, in the NFL, you'd rather say "woe" than "giddy up." Like you'd rather have a guy say, uh, "Take it easy for a minute." And but after Gardner, after he had five minutes, uh, after he had four turnovers in back-to-back games, you needed to say "woe" to him. Like, "Whoa, okay, something's something's wrong here." And now, like, it, it's it's kind of weird to say, like, "Okay, you have to, you have to." Now you're trying to tell him to giddy up a little bit more. Now you're trying to say, okay, you need to wait a little bit longer and hit those throws because you, you want to hit Alec Pierce downfield, man. Like that guy, that guy needs some more opportunities. Uh, he, he, you want to get Pittman down the field. You want to get Josh Downs. Like you, you want to get these wide receivers involved um, and take some pressure off that running game and get those stacked boxes unstacked. The only way you're going to do that is if you hit some guys down the field and do that. And the only way you're going to do that eventually is, is for Gardner to really come, come back to a more suitable medium between where he was and where he is right now and, and, and be a, a quarterback that can make some of those plays down the field. And that ultimately is going to determine how good this Colts offense is down the stretch, is how, is how well Gardner can, can climb back to a, being a quarterback um, that is not afraid to stand in the pocket for that half a second longer and, and take a shot down the field. Because uh, right now he's not quite there. But like I said, I, like, I'd rather have him be where he is than where he was. And, and I probably should also give him the benefit of the doubt. He is playing the Patriots defense. Yeah. And that is a, a unit that no matter what the personnel is, no matter what you've seen on film in previous weeks or whatever, is going to give you something that maybe you're not used to seeing. Passing yards, both of these teams are in the middle of the pack in the NFL. Bucks 14th in the league. Colts are 17th in the league, both averaging around 220, 225 yards per game. Rushing, you know the Colts are in real deep trouble if they can't stop the Buccaneers rushing offense, Matt, because the Bucks are dead last in the league, allowing, uh, giving up, not giving up, rushing for just 77 yards per game, 3.1 yards per rush. That is it. So if the Colts give up 120 to this team, that's a bad sign. I mean, yes. I know they've struggled, but you've got to be able to be better than the worst in the league. I mean, that, that's been kind of an unfortunate thing we've seen the last couple of weeks is these, these teams that have been toward the bottom of the league in rushing have yep. found a reignited running game because they're, they're playing against this Colts defense. Colts are 10th in the league, by the way, 118 rushing yards per game, averaging 4.1 yards per rush. And that number, I think, has gone down a little bit yeah, keeps, the past keeps couple weeks. Yeah, bit. because, like I said, teams have discovered the blueprint for beating the Gardner Minshew-led Colts right now, and that is to stack the Bucks. Points allowed, the Bucks are top 10 in the league, ninth allowed and 20 points per game. Colts are 26th in the league, allowing nearly 25 points per game. And uh, there have been... There have been good games. There have been bad games. That the Colts twenty six. It just so happens that the bad games have been really bad, and the uh, the very good games, like only giving up six to the to the Patriots last week, have been very the, much few. The and problem far is between. the thirty nine against exactly. the Browns. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. They they kind of offset. You know, if you give up thirty nine, uh, six is uh, it doesn't bring it down all that much. Um, let's see here. Total defensive yards. Buccaneers are twenty sixth in the league, so they're giving up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. It's a team that bucks up in the red zone. Colts twenty uh, fifth, so they're right back to back with one another in defensive yards, giving up per game about three hundred sixty yards per game. Pass defense. Bucks are twenty seventh in the league, so that's a team that a lot of other teams have been able to throw against, um, and it's probably because. Teams don't rush against them too much. They are sixth in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game, only allowing 90 yards per game, 3.7 yards per carry. Vita Vea, still there. Still there. Still, still big. taking up lots of space. Still large. Still strong. Very big man. Still hard to run against. Colts are uh, 18th in pass defense, 230 yards per game, 25th in rush defense, 130 yards given up per game. And that number has been going down because they keep giving up all these yards. 
in games that Grover Stewart is not playing. Turnovers, Bucks are plus six, which is a pretty, pretty good number. Yep. I believe they're top five in the NFL in they that. Are. Yes. Uh, they have 16 takeaways this year, only 10 turnovers in their 10 games. Uh, Colts are plus one. Always better to be in plus territory than it is minus territory. And they just got there after the Patriots game. Exactly. 16 takeaways, just like the Bucks have, but 15 turnovers themselves. So they have given the ball away a little bit too much, as I alluded to early with our Gardner Minshew discussion right there. So uh, Bucks are led on offense by Baker Mayfield, 2,389 uh, 2, yards passing this year, 15 touchdowns, only six interceptions. He's been sacked 20 times. He also has 41 carries, averaging 3.1 yards per carry, 11 first downs in that mix. Um, Rashad White, the running back, only 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, 41 catches out of the backfield, too, so you got to watch him there. Uh, where they are dangerous is their outside, is their receivers, is Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, combining for 98 catches, uh, more than 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, seven of those eight coming from Mike Williams, who's having a heck of a season, has found something really good with Baker Mayfield. Um, and, and to be honest, Matt, like when you look at the Colts, I think they have they're, – they're, uh, the last two weeks, their outside corners have played better, but it's because who have they played against? Who, who are you throwing the, to? The Patriots and the Panthers don't exactly have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So they're going to be thrown right back into the fire this week. I, I, and I think this is one area where – like matchups in the NFL are really important, and this is a matchup that the Colts don't look good at. It, it does not favor the Colts uh, at, at all there. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it, you know, when we do our game predictions, but, you know, you, you look at sort of the template here. Okay, yeah, you can, you can, uh, the Bucks are tough against the run, which means they're going to force the Colts to pass, which has been the blueprint for the Colts not being very efficient on offense in recent weeks. Yeah. Uh, Kate Otten, a tight end, 34 catches, three touchdowns as well. Bucks have 35 explosive plays this year. The Colts have 39, just by comparison. Um, on defense, led by Levante David with 90 tackles. One of the better linebackers in the NFL. I mentioned his name earlier in that yes. table I said about Shaquille Leonard, a guy that uh, that attacks in the backfield quite quite a bit. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., who I also mentioned, uh, the 5'10 guy who apparently outjumped Michael Pittman for an interception in 2021, 71 tackles this year. Linebacker Devin White had 62 tackles. Sacks, Vita Vea, five and a half sacks for him, eight tackles for loss. Yaya Diaby has four sacks, uh, seven tackles for loss. Yaya Diaby, that was a guy that I had, uh, I had mocked to the Colts in one of my drafts. A guy out of Louisville. And I actually think he was an undrafted free agent. I don't think anybody took him. But there he is. There look he at, is. Look at me. Look at me being a scout saying that a guy can. <laughs> we guy, hit one. <laughs> guy has a role. A guy has a role in the NFL. Four sacks and seven total uh, tackles for loss for the former Louisville Cardinal Yaya Diaby. Uh, Shaquille Barrett also has uh, four sacks himself. Levante David three sacks and fourteen tackles for loss. That's, I think it's third in the league. Yep. I I, I just came to it. I, I'd been talking about it all, all day. I finally came to Matt. Matt knew this the entire time. He knew that I was going to find his note here in the in the rundown and be like, ha ha. I know this too. Fourteen dang tackles for loss. That is really freaking incredible good. number. The Colts playoff hopes are still alive. Certainly a key stretch, as we've said, it starts this week. It continues against Pittsburgh, the Texans, the Raiders, all these teams that are that are right around their their range in the league. Uh, but yeah, this week, even though it's not the same uh, conference, it, it's still a big deal. Uh, we'll, we'll have to follow Juju Brents and Ryan Kelly and Josh Downs with their injuries um, throughout the rest of this week. Also, Drew Ogletree as well. And uh, Drew Ogletree too. Foot injury, I believe, yeah, from um, a couple Shane, weeks ago. Shane Steichen was still being, for some reason, cagey when we spoke to him today just about Juju, whether he would practice he said we'll see um so i'm gonna look that up in a second see if uh, any of our friends found him out there but ryan kelly in concussion protocol someone walked up to ryan kelly in the locker room today it was funny he was like can't talk i'm still in protocol 
And because we had forgotten, like we had completely <laughs> forgot. It's been like it's been 14 days yeah, since he's been, been back home. Yeah, so it's been forever. But but anyway, uh, him and then Josh Downs, and then we may not see Ju- uh, uh, what's his name, Jelani Woods this season at all. Shane Steichen said on Monday he aggravated his other hamstring during rehab. So what what, what the heck, man? When, when it rains, it pours for the Colts, and like this is honestly super disappointing for Jelani Woods. This is a seed like your second and third years in the NFL for rookies coming in, and obviously your first year as a rookie are are so important to development and building into what you want to be long term. Um, this just gets everything is put on pause uh, for, for Jelani, a guy who showed promise his rookie year, but now just doesn't get to build on that right away with Shane Steichen. And it shows you it, it must have been. I mean, we, we haven't heard officially from the team, but there have been reports that it was a pretty significant hamstring injury that he suffered in originally back in training. Well, for camp. him to miss 10 weeks. He's yeah. Missed, yeah, he's missed all this all this time. And then for him to kind of come back from that, have a setback, come back from that, have a setback, and then, oh, you've injured your other hamstring. So just, that's that's what Jelani's wood seasons have been has been so far. Yeah, just brutal. Um, I didn't see anything yet from anybody out there talking about who is practicing or who is not. I've kind of strolled through. There we go. Nate Atkins of the Indy Star. There we go. Um, Juju Brents and Drew Ogletree are sitting out. So no Brents out there and no Drew. Um, Ryan Kelly is in a red no contact jersey. Josh Downs is practicing. So okay. that's that's how they look right now coming back from having a week off, which is not terrible, but uh, would would have loved to see Juju out there for yeah. to see yeah. if he had Boy, a chance I, to play I don't this know weekend. Why, um, man, I put him on IR, you know, exactly. by, by this time, I, yeah. I guess, but yep. But yeah. they can't 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 turn back the clock and that no, was obviously not, no not the best decision. And it could be one of those things they thought it was going to, you know, Heal a little bit faster. You can't. You can't always know these things. Yep, we're getting Thanksgiving games with the Packers Lions on Fox, twelve thirty p.m. Thursday. Commanders Cowboys, four thirty p.m. Forty Nine ers Seahawks, ten twenty p.m. Um, the Forty Nine ers Cowboys game uh, broadcast on CBS four if you're in Central Indiana. Like I said, Packers Lions on Fox fifty nine if you're in Central Indiana. The first ever Black Friday game this week: Dolphins Jets, three p.m. on Friday. That's broadcast Amazon Prime Video. The Colts host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sunday at one o'clock on CBS four. Uh, let's look up and see exactly what the line is for this game because I think I saw the Colts are favored. I thought it was like a two point. Uh, line. Let's see. Colts Bucks line. Blah, 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 blah. Right at my fingertips. Here we go. Blah, blah, blah. Opening it up. Here we go. This website. And my phone is loading. And we're looking down here. And we are finding out that the spread is uh, the Colts are one and a half point favorites, according to DraftKings. And the point total is 42 and a half. So we're expecting something along the lines of a 22 to 20 ball game. Uh, according to Vegas, at least. And uh, there's a reason that uh, that those gentlemen have uh, gold-paved ce- ceilings. Uh, so anyway, uh, Matt, why don't you share your thoughts about this game first, and, and then I'll go second. All right. I mean, I, I have some, some pretty big concerns about this week, uh, mostly because the Colts come off their bye week. Uh, sometimes teams don't always respond great to that. Uh, the Bucks, with kind of this, uh, just on paper, the template of the, they've got the good rushing defense that's going to be forcing the Colts to pass, which in the past couple of weeks hadn't been, been great for the team but they've only won one game at home and that's also in the Colts not in the Colts's favor I'm going to go ahead and go and say 2017 I'm going to go with the Colts in this one hey yeah go take the home team I'm not going to take the home team because I I, I like I understand wanting to take the Colts now and I think that they are a better team honestly than the Buccaneers but but I think some of your reasoning is certainly sound that like you get most teams get a boost coming back from a bye week 
but you just you just cut Shaquille Leonard. So I think that completely takes the boost away. I think that de- that deflates the kind, locker kind room. Of deflates you a little like bit. you could work your way back up, but then it doesn't give you the boost of returning back from the bye and being re-energized and all that stuff for the home stretch. So I think that's at best for them it, it, it is a wash. I think the matchups are terrible. They, uh, they are because the, the Colts are trying. They you got to run the ball, and, and it's tough to run against. The Buccaneers. You have to defend Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. The, the outside and, wide receiver play terrifies it's just, me. Like I honest. said, a- absolutely like dreadful matchups in this game. And basketball is so much more prone to matchups, I think, as just comparing the two sports. I'm not going to get too much into that, but but football can be as well. And you also find out about coaches during this time coming off of bye weeks. Um, like some coaches like Andy Reid are really freaking good coming off bye weeks. Um, and, and they have a record in his career is something stupid. It's he, I think he has only two or three losses coming off a of bye week in his entire career, which is a long career between both the Eagles and the Chiefs. Um, so so what what is Shane Steichen out of the bye week? We don't know. It, does he provide anything special? Were these weeks beneficial to him and to the coaching staff? Did he figure some things out that he thinks can work the passing game back into working order or can be unique for this running game while the passing game works its way back to working order? Did Gardner Minshew get a little bit more stable, some stability under him? Did he release for a little bit, for lack of a better word, and calm down and so he could take the next steps in trying to lead this offense down the stretch? All, all, like, so, so it's hard to, for me to say who the Colts are going to be, but I do know who the Buccaneers are, and, and I think that they match up better against the Colts. So I'm going to say 24 to 13. Um, if you can't run, and we haven't seen them be able to take anything down the field, I, I just don't have much faith faith in the Colts' offense right now until they show it to me. Mm-hmm. No, and, absolutely. And, and once they do, fantastic. But but right now, I just I just I just don't have a lot of faith in their offense. So that's how I feel. I think the Buccaneers take this one. It's another loss at home. And then you uh, you gear up for a couple of road games after that against the uh, the, Which the Bengals win, and the right? Titans. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they're terrific. Because they're on, on the road. road. And then you go up and face Jake Browning in Cincinnati. My goodness. Now, now there's a winnable game. Oh my goodness, too for the Colts and the Titans are just snowballing to to who knows where right now. So those are two winnable games I think of the future. But I don't know if this one's going to be a, a no. Like I, it I, is winnable, but I don't it, know if it, it is. It's a win. winnable. I'm just I'm kind of picking them a little homerism this of week. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. You 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 can do that. That's cool. We we, we want to be honest here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Let you know about what's going on um and uh, mike chapel he'll be back next week that's the plan at least right now you can read all his work online at fox59.com cbs4indy.com follow him on twitter as well at mchapel 51 matt adams thank you for being here as well at statamatty i'm dave g underscore sports dave griffiths here hosting the colts blue zone podcast we appreciate you listening and we'll see you next week 